So we're, um, we're looking at Galatians today. <clears throat> and I just wondered, have you ever sent a strongly penned letter? Not angry, strongly penned, shall we say? <laughs> well, our passage today comes from Galatians in the New Testament. And Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches that he established on his first missionary journey. So they're some of the first believers that Paul taught. And the book of Galatians is probably the first letter in the Bible that Paul wrote. And he gets a bit angry. News has reached him that these first believers, these first churches that he's established, they've started to believe false things. Okay? They've started to follow different teaching. And so he pens this letter of Galatians to keep them back on track, to bring them in to say, you know the truth, I'm going to remind you what it is. There's two key questions that Paul talks about in the letter of Galatians. He says, does being a follower of Jesus mean keeping every letter of Moses' law, including circumcision? That's what he needs them to know. And number two, does living by grace and in freedom mean doing whatever we like when we feel like it? That's what the book of Galatians is trying to to address. So passionate is Paul in this letter that in chapter six we're told that he actually takes the pen from the scribe himself and keeps writing. He says, look how big my letters have got. He really wants them to know We're not justified by our own actions through the law, but we have freedom in faith. That's. Click on for me, don't you? Thank you. Okay, so specifically, we're looking at Galatians 6 7 to 10. So if you want to turn to that, Galatians 6 7 to 10, then we'll have a little read. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, so the title given to this message is Holiness and Keeping in Step with the Spirit. And as we go through the truth in this passage, it's my hope that you'll discover the freedom that comes from living to please the Spirit in step with the Spirit. So we're going to kind of go through it. So if you've got it in front of you, keep it open. If not, hopefully we'll see a little bit of it up here. So our first verse, verse 7, says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, Paul is referring here to the following of the false teaching that some of these Galatian believers had started doing. Before they, believing that they could do things to justify their salvation, believing that circumcision and every letter of the law earned them a place in God's kingdom. Paul passionately reminds these believers that you can't cheat God. His way is the way. 
And his way is the free gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen, right? (laughs) That's good news. (laughs) I wonder if there's any ways that we try to deceive God. I wonder if there's anything that we're doing to try and earn our salvation, to earn God's approval, our place in the kingdom. Ultimately, though these things can be well-intentioned, they are self-centred and not faith-filled. Sometimes it's easier to not put our trust and hope in faith, but in something that we can do or touch or feel. I just wonder if if God's brought anything to mind. And if it's okay with you, we'll just pause now and deal with that in prayer because that's easily done, isn't it? So we'll just just pray about that. And if you're not thinking of anything, then you can pray for the person next to you. (laughs) Father, I'm sorry for that thing that you've just reminded me about. Thank you that your gift of grace through faith is freely given. Earned not by me, but by Jesus. Help me to turn away and repent from believing I can earn your love. And instead dwell freely in your gift of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so moving on in verse 7. We're told that a man reaps what he sows. Now, if you could see my garden, you would see that I am not really qualified to talk about sowing and reaping anything to do with plants and seeds and flowers. (laughs) We're learning. (laughs) But thankfully, Paul isn't talking here about flowers and crops. He's talking about our lives. What we allow to grow, to take root become established in our hearts and what we sow and put forth into the lives of those around us. Moving on, verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. So I started thinking, well, what, what sort of ruin, what sort of destruction do people experience by sowing to please their flesh? What, what does that mean? Well, in Matthew 7, 13, Jesus says, Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. I think we might have that, Derek, if you want to click for it. Thanks. So the flesh, our, our bodily selves, our sinful nature, that's how Paul describes it, our flesh, is quickly and easily gratified. Fulfilled by selfishness, not sacrifice. Flesh says, give that to me because I need it. With flesh, there is little that matters or is important beyond the here and now and beyond me. Flesh says, I must provide for my family. I need to get in front of that car quicker so I can get home. That might be a personal example. (laughs) I need that promotion to look and feel important. I need 50 different cosmetics every day to see beauty. So why does this lead to ruin and destruction? Well, because it's not God's way. It's not God's best. It's not the way of the kingdom. In God's kingdom, when we are weak and unable to provide for ourselves, we are actually strong and powerful. Our need and desperation leads us to rely on God's provision. We have no other option. God's way is gentleness, 
patience, self-control, choosing joy and thankfulness in situations where they might not be our first choice. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy and tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word is more precious and more sustaining to us than anything that makes our bodies feel good. In Matthew 16:24, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You probably got that as well. Thanks, Tony. That's the upside-down kingdom, isn't it? Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it does. The weak are strong. The poor are rich. The hopeless have hope in God's kingdom. When I was 18, I left school with a place to study at university and I deferred it for a year um, and I did a gap year with, with this church doing youth and schools work. I loved that year. It was, it was amazing. It was brilliant. And during it, we were making lots of exciting plans for the few years to come. But I was going to university. <laughs> so I started asking the Lord, can I be a part of it? <laughs> I don't want to miss out. Can I stay? But, above all else, I wanted what he wanted. If he wanted me at university, that's where I would go. If he wanted me here, that's where I would stay. And in the early spring of that year out, uh, during a youth worship meeting, I felt God speak to me from the book of Ruth. She's good, isn't it? (laughs) From chapter 2. It says, Do not go and glean in another field or leave this one. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped. Keep your eyes on the field that's being reaped. So this was confirmation to me to stay and to carry on the work in Billericay. So that's what I did. I stayed and I did a second year out. I'm a serial gap yearer. And during that year, I was offered a job to serve our schools with schools ministry Billericay. And not yet has he called me out of that work or told me to move on to a different field. I've been doing that for 10 years. In that particular instance, I had a choice to sow to please the flesh, to go to uni, enjoy my studying, live independently, do what I wanted when I wanted, whatever that looked like. Or I could choose to sow to please the spirit, obedient to the freshly spoken word of God and serving his people. (laughs) And I'm so glad that I chose to do it God's way. It's been an adventure. It's been amazing. He has taught me so much. I'm not going to pretend that every decision I've made since then (laughs) has been God's way. But we're all on a journey, aren't we? Moving on, verse 8. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So what does it mean to sow to please the Spirit? How can we do that? Well, when we become followers of Jesus, the Spirit of holiness... The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Romans 8, 9 tells us, you, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. 
Our very nature is transformed when the spirit of holiness comes to live in us. We are a new creation. We are holy and redeemed through Jesus. Do you want to give me an amen? I remember when I was first filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't when I first became a Christian. It was a few years later. I was 15 and I was in a Sunday evening service at Perry Street and um, I was actually healed of a knee problem that I was experiencing. That was amazing. What was even more amazing was how my nature changed after that. I remember walking to school the next day and thinking, wow, isn't the sky blue? And isn't that bird song amazing? And aren't people beautiful? <laughs> Remember, I was, I was a teenager. That is not natural. <laughs> I was filled with a joy and a peace that ran deeper than anything else I'd ever experienced in my life. And I learned that that was God's Holy Spirit living in me. My eternal life in God's kingdom had begun. Sowing to please the Spirit is choosing to live according to your new, transformed, holy nature. Choosing not to trust anything other than God's way and God's best for your life. We think of sowing as a physical act, but before we even do anything, it's our hearts, our attitudes, our inner life, that sows to please the Spirit through obedience to God. Do you know how God measures success? Remember somebody taught me about this a few years ago. It's not in the number of people you healed, although he loves that. It's not that you've managed to get ten people along to your church's evangelistic event, although your elder for evangelism at church loves that. (laughs) It's not that you wrote a worship song that everybody loves. It's faithfulness. To God, faithfulness is success. So when we first talk about sowing to please the Spirit, we are talking about sowing faithfully, serving and loving others faithfully as we love God. When we commit our lives to Christ, our place in eternity is set. We get to be with the Father forever in heaven. Hallelujah. But there is more to reaping eternal life than that. Your eternal life starts first here on earth. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We're probably a few behind, Derek. Do you want to click on for me? Yeah, next one. Next one. There we go. Abundant life. And to the woman at the well, Jesus says, The water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's this idea of of abundance, of continual welling up, of a life that is never lacking in anything we need. Probably lacking in things that we might want, (laughs) but never lacking in anything that we need of more than enough. God recently spoke a very simple word to me. I was quite surprised by it, that I'm unfolding in my life at the moment. He told me, I am big. (laughs) I guess to somebody that works with children, he speaks to me in the language I understand. (laughs) He said, I am big. 
God is the source of our eternal life and he is big. The eternal, abundant, wellspring life is big. It's deep. God always has more for us and to do through us than we can hope or imagine. So if you're hoping for something, and if you're imagining for something, then there's actually more even than that. Has your eternal life become too small? Is your expectation to live a quiet life, not hurt anybody, die, quietly slide into heaven? I suspect that God has more for you than that abundantly more so yes sowing starts with your inner life but faith without works is dead God wants to partner with you to show love to the unlovable in your workplace to stand for what's right when no one else is to declare that there is hope in that hopeless situation when God is in it To prayer walk your local shops until every young person knows that somebody there loves them and there is a purpose to their life beyond violence and drugs. To eagerly seek after and expect miracles and healings. Sowing to please the Spirit reaps eternal life. Verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I've recently finished the autobiography of um, a guy who's on TV. He's an adventurer called Bear Grylls. You might have heard of him. I found it really inspiring, not that I am planning my own mission to climb Everest. (laughs) You'll be pleased to know. (laughs) Or attempt selection for the SAS, which is what he did. (laughs) But... The thing that inspired me is there's a constant theme of perseverance that runs through his life. He has a simple and strong faith in Jesus Christ. And he talks about how in the very midst of challenging physical and mental trials, Father God whispers to him, encouraging him to keep going and not give up. It was a very simple bit of logical thinking of how he approached things. If you're already in the middle of it, you might as well see it through to the end. Now, it's partly my personality, partly my age and my life experience. I find it very easy to give up. Particularly if something feels hard or pointless. I often just want God to step in and do it. (laughs) But I'm slowly learning the value of trusting him. Normally, it's that he's teaching me something through the process. (laughs) To keep going, even when giving up, is the more attractive option. And here, our exhortation for keeping going is that harvest. If we do not give up, we will reap our harvest. It's worth noting that Paul tells us to not become weary in doing good. And we can take steps to guard against weariness, just like Jesus did. Jesus was a man as well as God, wasn't he? We can have regular time alone with our Father, to hear the mission from him, 
not just our own good ideas, and to rest in his life-giving presence. If we do good for the right reasons, we're inspired by God's great love and not what others see or think, that helps us with that weariness. If we surround ourselves with supportive partners in the mission, you've got a great church here. If we take care of ourselves physically, eat, drink, rest. And our last little verse of this passage, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul was starting to pick up that there was this distinction from the believers in Galatians between those that were circumcised, those that were Jewish, those that were Greek. So he he exhorts us to do good indiscriminately, all people, and then especially those who belong to the family of believers. The word good mentioned here is not just being helpful, but promoting spiritual well-being, go deep with people, that joy, that peace that you have, sow that in others. So I wonder what struck you from that passage today. I wonder what is your... What's your take-home bit? What's that little bit that you think, oh, above all else that Ruth said, maybe, Lord, that was you. That was your freshly spoken word to me. It's been really good to be with you here today. Thank you, South Group. Thanks.